Hello and welcome to Helix and Gene Wellness Podcast, episode 27. Today's guest is Dr. Jolie Silva, a clinical psychologist who very early on started to infuse mindfulness into her work. She tells a story about why that was challenging early on and how people often tend to use misuse the M word, mindfulness, today. She also talks about her experiences as a mother and doctor and how parents are doing the best they can with what they have. And she gives her opinion on social media and the self-worth of likes. So this is really a fascinating interview. You can hear Dr. Silva's uh, perspective on things, and I'll re recap with you at the end about uh, how valuable that is. So without further ado, here's Sam, myself, and Dr. Jolie Silva. Hello, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Helix and Gene Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Baluch, with uh, Coach Matt, as always, Matt Freed. Um, today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Jolie Silva, who's not just a fabulous doctor and understands the mind, but she is a uh, Zen 57 loyalist and trains hard and also a good friend. Um, Dr. Silva, welcome, Jolie, to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, you know, getting right into it, uh, Dr. Silva, we want to know, you know, the audience wants to know, first things first, um, little background about yourself. How did you get into this field? What was, you know, where did all of this come from? Hmm. Well, I am um, a clinical psychologist. Um, I would say I've always been interested in science, biology, connecting with people from long time ago. I was kind of like a math science kid. Then I got into college and I said, I want to be an MD. And I did pre-med and I said, something, something, I want to need something else, a little bit more connection. And so I, then I switched gears um, and then I went to grad school and got my PhD in clinical and school psychology. Um, and in that training, um, I went to a very um, behavioral science program um, where all of the stuff we learned is evidence-based, um, big on Skinner, on learning principles, cognitive behavior therapy, uh, not as much, I don't know how familiar you are with the different kinds of psychotherapy, but I, I wasn't trained very much in psychodynamic work where you're delving more into your childhood. I, I, I'm trained in cognitive behavior therapy, behavior therapy. Um, and so that's, that's how I, where I did my graduate training. And then when I was doing my graduate training, we had to pick a dissertation topic. And so people um, have to pick an area of interest with a mentor um, who also has a similar area of interest and write, you know, a huge dissertation, conduct a study and all of that. And I wanted to do mind on mindfulness-based intervention. And I was told, we can't do that fluff voodoo stuff here. You know, this is a science <laughs> program. Um, so I had a hard time finding somebody to sponsor my dissertation, even though I had done research in, in, um, with different professors. None of them were really into um, sponsoring my mindfulness dissertation. There was one professor who introduced me to it, but he was already full. So I said, I have, I really, I have to, I have to stick with doing a mindfulness, mindfulness-based intervention. Um, and I, I found a professor who said, okay, 
I'll do a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy is what the therapy is called. We call it MBCT, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. It was originally developed for depression, but this guy was an anger management expert. His name was Howard Kasanoff. He's written books on anger management. He's really a big guy in anger management. And he said, I'll do your MBCT, but you have to do it on anger management. So, okay, we got a deal here. We'll do it on <laughs> mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. For anger in married men. That was my <laughs> dissertation. Um, so, but I've got my mind from this, and I use it a lot now. No, I'm kidding. My husband doesn't really have anger problems. So I know. I'm just joking. Um, but um, so I wrote my dissertation on mindfulness based cognitive therapy. And at that time, I, I think my, you know, you have to write a lit review on all of the research. So my lit review is broken up into all mindfulness research and then all anger management research because those are the two main areas. And my mindfulness research section, I mean, don't quote me on this. I might've had 10, 10 studies, maybe, maybe 15. Mm. Now, I think there's about a thousand studies a year yeah. on mindfulness-based uh, interventions in in mental health and and in um, various medical conditions too, chronic pain, psoriasis, all, all different kinds of things. But when I wrote this, and that was in two thousand and seven, my lit review on the mindfulness was was tiny. My anger management one was big, was big, you know, and combined both. Um, so over the last or how many years ago, fifteen years, it's blown up, as we all know, right? And, Why do you and, think that is in the Western world? Blown up. Why do you, why do you think that is? And where, when was, you know, you and I have talked about psychology books and, you know, one of the catalyst books for me that I think started uh, minding those two fields together was many lives, many masters, right? Um, <clears throat> which was a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this book, but it was a book that, you know, it, I heard it, I'm not right. and, and it's interesting because it's a clinical psychologist who goes into hypnosis and starts having these experiences with his patients that are going back and forth into different lives. And it's, uh, so his shift went from this very old school paradigm of looking at things a certain way into understanding this whole world exists that he knew nothing about. Um, so interesting book, anybody who wants to read that, but you know, you and I also talked about other books where, you know, there is a lot more study now. Um, and there's more on our end, I can tell you, you know, uh, there's more tools in terms of, you know, um, I know a gentleman who is studying the vagus nerve right here in the Feinstein Institute, the CEO, they're on the, you know, brink of understanding how to utilize sound waves to stimulate the vagus nerve. So cognitively people can do things better. Right. So the, the research has come so long you saw it at the you were there involved in the beginning of it and you were probably one of the first ones to write an article like this a, a dissertation like this and how do you where do you think that shift was what do you think all of a sudden happened well i think people look for answers um a lot and um one of the first guys you may be familiar with who really brought it over into western medicine was john kabat-zinn who brought it to UMass um, at mindfulness-based stress reduction as a treatment for chronic pain. And that was in the 90s. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of these people who, who really started 
bringing this stuff here, had to fight for it. I mean, I know we were talking about the book Altered Traits, which I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, and Richard <laughs> David, Davidson, um, he, these guys were 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 outliers, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm in no way comparing myself to these amazing minds, but no, in the same but, way- But I you're in the same scope. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there was a shift. I think there were some people in the mental health world and maybe in the neuroscience world who said, this is something, this has been going on for thousands of years. And I love the way we're talking about this as though it's new. I mean, not us, right. I mean, just right. in America, yeah. mindfulness. This has been yeah. around for thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of yeah. years. Yeah. We didn't make this stuff up and there's something to it. It's been yeah. around for that long for a reason. Um, so I, I think it just, it caught on. I don't know if yoga had something to do with it because it seemed like yoga kind of caught on uh, maybe around the same time. Yeah. Um, then people start writing about it and then there's word of mouth. And I think when when people practice it, they say, wow, this, this like really works. Yeah. Right. And this is really, really helpful. And then it, it just kind of spreads from there. So I think it's misused a lot too, though. What do you mean by that? I think people say, I think it's misused a lot. I think people say, I'm doing mindfulness. I'm doing, and they're not really doing it, or they say they're, or they like to say they're doing they it think and they not are. really yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like, yeah. like, like you said, I think the, you know, the field of psychology um, is starting to really get into the mind and understand the difference between the brain and the mind. There's physical functions of the brain and there's real functions and misfunctions of the brain physiologically. And then there is this unexplainable thing called the mind, <laughs> right? Where, um, you know, we, I, we, let's be real. We know nothing about, <laughs> absolutely nothing. We have a, you know, I, it, what I personally, what I think we know about it is that it's a constant evolving uh, video game, a mechanism that, you know, the mass consciousness continues to build on. And I think with psychology, what's great about Western psychology and what you guys and your field has done is you are so good in Western psychology in distinctions, right? And I think the faster we can figure out proper distinctions and measurable things to be able to show the differences, which is what these guys from Alter Traits are were doing, you know, then I think you can get everyone's attention. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and 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 you could just keep breaking it down, right? Like it used to be. Um, as as psychologists, especially in cognitive behavior therapy, we break it down as thoughts um, and emotions and behaviors, right? And then you can you can just break it down even further, right? Because behaviors can be habits, or they can be impulsive behaviors, yeah. and thoughts. They're all different kinds of thoughts you can have, and they're all different kinds of emotions. And within each emotion, there is a, there there are scales of emotions. So we just and and what we've gotten really good at as a field is pulling apart different pieces of uh, the human experience to study it. Because you know, one problem with psychology is that it's different from some of the some of the other hard sciences, and that it's always been very difficult to measure emotions and thoughts because we can plug somebody up to a bunch of electrodes and see the heart racing, 
but is the heart racing anger or is the heart racing anxiety? Well, we don't know unless you tell us what you're feeling. And there's only so much reliability to that because your anxiety might be different from my anxiety. So in the field of psychology, it's very hard to measure certain things. So, so Dr. Selva, if I may, I, I wanted to ask you about this misconception that, that some people might have about the word mindfulness. I mean, I, I hope I'm practicing mindfulness every day with some of the things that I'm doing and even right now on this call. But, but what is it that, what's your, I mean, you're someone who studied and clinically practices mindfulness with patients. So what is your definition of mindfulness? Well, I'm going to steal John Kabat-Zinn's definition because that's what I always do. Paying attention to each moment in a specific way, not judgmentally. Okay. But, but people will say, I'm going to, I'm going to practice mindfulness so I can relax. It's not always what happens when you practice mindfulness. Right. As a matter of fact, in the book, Altered Traits, they're breaking down mindfulness into different kinds of mindfulness. And they say mindfulness to the breath might lead to a relaxation response, but mindfulness of thoughts might actually lead to more fatigue. So when you group it all together, I'm going to do mindfulness it, um, to relax. That, that's not... My understanding of mindfulness and the way I studied and the way I learned it is you're not supposed to have a goal when you're meditating. I need to be relaxed. I'm, right. I'm doing this to relax. I'm not meditate. That's not, it's to pay attention to each moment. And then I always say to my clients, wink, wink, if you're relaxed in the end, that might be what happens, but you're not striving for that the whole time you're, you're meditating. Um, it might be a byproduct of it. And what research shows is the more we do it, the longer the sitting periods, retreats have more of an impact. Um, the, however many years you're doing it in a row, the more of an impact. But if people are looking, I guess what I'm saying is I think people are looking toward it for a quick fix. And I see it as more if you want some kind of change in your being and, and the way that you're living your life, it, it's got to be a lifestyle, a lifestyle change and uh, integrated into into what you're doing, not just like I'm gonna go meditate and then I'm all of a sudden I'm calm. So, you know, I think that's the misconception people have. So while we're on this subject, now that you have started a new lifestyle change into your mindfulness, <laughs> um, I tell you, know, this is, I, I love when people uh, like, you know, Dr. Jolie Silva that are in this field that are, you know, super smart, intelligent, start doing Zen 57 and get into this portion of the training. And, you know, she is 52 days, 52 days. Yeah. I think it's three today. 53 I think it's three days. Three. But, oh, but yeah. who, but who's counting? Don't try change. Yeah. 53 straight days. And, and by the way, uh, Dr. Silva, I don't know if you know, but Matt, Matt, what are you on? Three... How many are you at, at now? Well, well, March 1st will be 365. So I'm up to like three, <laughs> 350 yeah. something right now. Yeah. Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt's right behind me. I think today was 418. And, and for people who have no idea what we're talking about, um, <laughs> we're talking about our streaks in Zen 57. You know, we do a live class every day. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's a, you know, it's a system that was created to stimulate the nervous system, like Dr. Jolie says, you know, on a daily basis, repetitively over time. And, and in that 
action on a daily basis, you're going to have this created response. So how do you feel now 52 days in and, and, you know, where are, where is your state of mind? How has that helped you in your mindfulness? So I, I think I mentioned this, Sam, it's hard for me to put like into, into the English language, some of the experiences I'm having, <laughs> yeah. I think some of the spiritual components of life, you know, you just can't put it into language. If, if someone, if someone understands, you just kind of look at them and you know, we know what each other is talking about. Yeah, but exactly. I, I guess I would say I feel more clarity um, and sharper and um, more energetic, um, not as uh, not as easily shaken. And when I am shaken, I think I'm quicker to notice and return back to baseline i would say yeah um i feel more even yeah no you i don't know calmer the strength and the calm right we talk about sam yeah, like yeah, stronger yeah, and calmer yeah. at the same time yes yang yeah 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 and, and that's exactly right it's that yin and yang right i mean for me look you know um my background is is, is of study, it comes from philosophy, where yours comes from psychology, right? But there is there is such a fine line of intertwining in all of that. And then there's spirituality that kind of encompasses that formula, right? It throws all of those components within that um, circular ball of energy, sort of say. And for me, you know, I, I created this program because I figured out that it would help me control that obsessive, compulsive, addictive part of my brain in a very positive way, right? And by utilizing that, I've noticed myself that my anxiety is non-existent at this point. You know, it's like it doesn't, there is no, there is a confidence that you develop when you do a five-minute plank physically and you repeat it every single Sunday, right? There is a mental state that you have to get into in order to get to that physical point. And there's no substitution for the work, right? You got to get in every day and you got to do the work every day to build into that. And that's the only way. So it's extremely authentic. And, um, you know, that clarity that you're feeling, you know, is definitely that motion. When you hit 50, we talked about this, is where you start to really tune into a different frequency within yourself. And I'm so happy that you've decided to do this. And if, if it's good for us to see people in your world step into ours. And, and, you know, for you, it's nothing new. It's been in you since day one. I've always told you that. But, you know, it, it, it hopefully it opens up a door for people to open up and say, hmm, okay, maybe this is a great add-on to what I already know, you know, and, and, and it can help enhance what I'm doing. Um, I also wanted to really talk to you about, you know, uh, I I know you're, you know, we're we, we all we're in the same group of friends, and you know, you're very well respected within the moms, and you know, a lot of people come to you for questions within their children. I know you've helped my wife and I plenty with ours, you know. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the 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 psychology element? of uh, dealing with children, whether it's your own or other people, and how do you go about all that? Oh, that's, I'm so glad you asked that because this is my, this is my new thing. Yep. When I first started the field, I let, um, I, I wound up working with children 
organically. It wasn't my plan. Um, I gotta just tell you a quick story. When I, I bartended for graduate school because I had to make money somehow. Um, and I, and, and so a very famous psychic came into the bar. Mm-hmm. Very, very famous. Did celebrities, all that. I bartended in the village. So sometimes celebrities would come in. Anyway, um, he looked at me and he said, you're going to work with children. And at that time, I didn't want to work with children. That was my, <laughs> wasn't my thing. It wasn't my thing back then. And he said, and you're going to speak to lots of people about children and i said i don't i don't think you know what you're talking about buddy and the meeting is not gonna last and he was right it was it wasn't my current husband and he walked in i was like i didn't know what he's talking about well fast forward i organically started to work with children before i had my own children and i worked very well with parents and children um it just like was intuitive then i became a mom and, I, and my connection with my mom clients became that much quicker because we, I could treat a variety of disorders. And if I don't experience the disorder myself, it doesn't mean I can't treat it, okay? I could still really empathize and show compassion and work with you and help you get through anxiety, depression, things I might not experience. But let me tell you, when I became a mom myself and I sit with another mom, it's like I we are he i get it on a level i never got it before and now i'm immersed with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and i have all my mom friends Mm -hmm. so i started a few years ago i started writing a book and then i started doing a youtube channel and i made a whole bunch of videos and this whole parenting thing um on everything i've learned so far in my career because I've read a lot, I've learned a lot, I've gone to lectures. And then also, well, I'm a mom now, so how does it work? Because when I would talk to the moms before I had kids, I'd say, do this, this, and that, and come back next week. And the next week they would come back and say, oh my goodness, I can't do it, I can't do it. It's so much, it's so much. And now they come back the next week and I'm like, okay, I really know how hard it is to do this stuff <laughs> because I understand on a deep level how, how hard it is to do the stuff in the books, right? Yeah. So I'm creating a program because I think I got a little from both. I got the academics and I got the mom stuff, right? Um, Which I'm in the process of launching now with the help of Sam's program, I'm starting to zone in a little bit more because it's one of those things that is, uh, you know, it's there and I so badly wanted to launch and get forward, but I kind of need my Zen 57 to help um, (laughs) give me my my alignment and my confidence and my execution and my all my things. Peak Um, performance. Exactly, because yeah. because Sam, you said it so well. I read the stuff on spirituality. If you think it, it'll come true. And Sam says, right, but if you just keep thinking, you're sort of just procrastinating. You have to do. And that, and I, it, it, it clicked. I'm like, that's right. Like, I can have all these grand plans, which I've had for years. But unless I'm down in my computer, unless I'm doing it's yep. it's no one no one is benefiting from the messages or the help that i have to offer unless i'm executing and that's one thing that zen 57 is is helping me with um, and, and and quickly on that i saw that in you because we've really gotten to know each other now and i i saw how you really do take that caring approach and you know a non-judgmental approach to the situation and that's something i hadn't seen in other people you know that part of what your mentor said and what you follow is the key to it all the non-judgmental aspect of it right because 
when you, of all people know, you sit around and you talk to somebody, you know when that person is judging you, right? And you can feel that. But you can also feel if you're sitting across somebody in their presence and they're not judging you. They're really taking you in for everything you have to say and do. And you do that very well. So I'm really happy that you're doing that now. So, you know, I do believe that there is a lot of noise in that world of yours that you're getting into in the moms. There is not that much true connectivity. And, and I love to see you jump in this field because I think there's such a huge need for it. It's, um, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm really close to Sam's family and his wife and you kind of see we have girls and boys yeah. <laughs> and there are differences, even though in the beginning, my husband said, it's the way we, that we raised them. There are just these innate differences right at the right from the start. But you kind of see this stuff developing in the seven year old girls. And I'm looking at these moms who are 40 and I'm thinking, you're just like a seven-year-old just a little bit bigger with all of the there's there's just lots of a lots of, and, and it was present when i was a teenager it was present when i was in this job and that job and this job and it every everybody is doing the best they can with what they have yeah. right and um I, I I don't like to say men versus women. I, I don't, but but my but my program is mostly geared to, towards moms. It's geared towards parents. Yeah. But um, moms have different ways of looking at things and and other pressures um, going on. And one of the I think that non-judgmental thing you're talking about. First of all, seeing clients for twenty years gave me lots of practice because. I hear stories, right? I, I'm the secret keeper. I, I hear lots and lots of stories. And it it you you almost can't have judgment to be in my field um, because you have you really have to um, nurture this other compassion and empathy. And in order to do that, if you're coming from a judgmental stance, you're not getting anywhere. But before I got into the field, um, I, I think people have these, we have, all have this intuition, right? We all have this innate, um, parts of part of ourselves. And I think that that non-judgmental thing that I had even in college with all the girl cattiness led me almost to this field. And now I'm seeing it around me and all these moms and all this stuff and the kids and this and that, and I'm trying very hard to stay neutral and to not put that judgment on it. And yes, tons of people are coming to me for advice all the time. And I and if they're friends of mine, I may, I'll, I'll put it in my calendar, right? Like I'm, I'm making the time. I had a call yesterday with a friend for an hour. The son has ADHD. I had a call with a family member the week before that. The son has depression. I mean, um, I, I feel as though it's my purpose, I guess. But I would like to spread it on a larger scale. And again, with M57, I'm hoping that I can get that um, yeah, drive yeah. and development. And, and you and I have been talking yeah. about that, right? And, and we've been working together on how to bring that out more and more. And I, I, I can already see you're going to be wildly successful in this 
portion. I mean, you're wildly successful now. Let's be real. Um, you know, you 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 know, you guys have an incredible uh, practice as is. You know, but to really take that and fine tune it, you know, it was like for me before I created Zen Fifty Seven, I was wildly successful in the bodybuilding, nutrition, coaching, fitness field. Right, I had already done all of that. It was more of now, how do you fine tune it where that passion inside you is so strong that it leads you towards something that just nothing else can stand in the way of. And for you, you know, helping moms with the kids and I, cause I, I witnessed this guy's firsthand. I see how she does this with people around that. I know I pay attention to these things and, and, and it really works and it's really done in a really well fashion and 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 anyone that you know as you grow this thing to the masses gets a piece of that and starts understanding the tools that you're starting to put together for them like you said you know everyone does the best they can they don't have the tools and you know i'm i'm hoping that soon you'll be able to provide them with those tools and the guidelines and the know-hows so you know parents can get a better idea of what to do you know, the majority of parenting, you know what the single factor is that determines how someone parents in any given moment? The parent's emotional state determines the behavior of the parenting. So, and look, kids are hard. Lots of frustration, lots of irritability, lots of anxiety, lots of doubt, lots of, right? So I think parents being in tune to their own emotional response and how that is portrayed to their kids is step number one. I mean, I try so hard to do it all the time and I will still make facial expressions and my daughter who is like so perceptive, you know, (laughs) mommy, are you happy? She's been asking me since she was one, mommy, are you happy? Because apparently I have a, I must have a resting bee face or something. (laughs) Apparently I'm never. She's very, she's very intuitive. Oh, so intuitive, but especially females, by the way, females picking up on their mother's facial expressions Mm. is um, huge. Females picking up on their mother's emotions um, is and there's research behind that. So what I'm gathering is is it all comes back to self-awareness. Right. And 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 the more the parent can understand their actions, you know, I, my famous thing is monkey see monkey do, right? I can sit here and tell, uh, you know, my kids all I want, but if they see me living a different life than I preach, they're never going to respect me or listen to a word that I have to say. It, 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 it's in the action again, right? It's in, it's in what are they really seeing? And I think that's one of the biggest things. If you can make moms aware of uh, details matter when it comes to the little ones, <laughs> you know, at specific points. So be aware. I, that in itself to me is a golden ticket for any mom in just having a better long-term relationship with their children. Totally. And another one other thing about it is these little brains, I think I was saying it too. Sam's wife, I said, they're just, I say to her, they're just fetuses. (laughs) I'm kidding. They're not just fetuses, but their brains, we talk to them as though they're equals. Their brains are completely underdeveloped. Their prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for impulsivity and making decisions and emotion regulation is is, is like a squirrel basically. And, And, you know, we sit there like, you know, 
why would you do such a thing? Why would you? They're not forty. They're not. They're not thirty. They're five. It, it, they're twelve. You know, the, their brains are so underdeveloped. Um, and I think there there's so many expectations uh, placed on them. You know, I just wrote an article for our, um, Coalition Against Substance Abuse newsletter titled "Our Youth Are in a Mental Health Crisis" because they are. Um, and the Surgeon General even came out with it in December. Um, and that we really have to, I think, um, rewind a little bit and understand that these are tiny little baby brains. And I don't care if they're 12, they're baby brains. Right. The adolescent brain develops until age 26, by the way, it's which now, fine. 26, which now explains some of my behavior in my early 20s when I thought I was an adult. <laughs> really, I wasn't. Um, but, um, you know, 26. So, um, you really have to put yourself in their shoes and and have an understanding of whatever they're feeling is valid, even if you don't agree with it. Like I might not agree that you're tantruming over the fact that this little toy broke, but it is a valid feeling because it's important to you. It might not be important to me, but it's important to you. And if I feel myself have an emotional response because of that, I better get that in check. So it's, um, and there's the intuition piece too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it's so the, 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 the and, and speaking of that, the, you know, the next subject that I wanted to jump on to quickly was uh, the effect of social media, right? And, and the understanding of, you know, what are, you know, what are the mental and long-term effects? Like I, we see it with our, we talk about this all the time with the kids, you know, Matt, you and I speak about this all the time as well. You know, it's, it's, you know, we obviously, you know, personally, we are a social media free household, like my wife, myself, and we don't, you know, we don't engage in that other than just from a business standpoint, but you know, the amount of, noise and the interaction between the kids, especially girls in how the exposure can take, you know, the kids to a whole nother level mentally, how do we prepare for that? And what do you think the long-term effects of that are? I'm concerned about the long-term effects. I mean, the whole Instagram leak, um, I think, I don't think it wasn't a surprise to me and, right. and many people. Right. Um, I'm concerned about the long-term effects. Um, the self-worth that young minds are, they're, 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 they're putting value on their self-worth based on how many likes and the, the comparison of people in a fake world, right? You, we, we naturally do the self-comparison thing and people with depression do more of the comparing up. Comparing up means that person's prettier, that person's smarter, that person is this. And people who aren't as depressed maybe have like an even, oh, that person's smarter, but I'm smarter than that, right? So we, we're nat we naturally do this comparison thing um, and the more or less we do of it in either direction might lead to different kinds of anxieties and depression. But social media almost throws in your face an exponentially uh, growing number of comparing up even when you're not asking for it because people are posting things on that are naturally superior the photos they look the best in the times they had this in the, the, and and you're naturally looking at it and it's an automatic that's better than me that's better than that. so how does that not weigh on somebody's 
self-worth and, and confidence and, and all of that. Um, also, the, the time suck, right? The being sucked into a screen for hours. Um, I can kind of go on and on about it. The body image that just came out. I, I mean, no, no surprises. And I am concerned. And I, I, what are the answers besides parents? I guess it's our generation for the little ones because the high schoolers, is it a lost cause at this point? I don't, I don't know how many, at this yeah. point, how much influence a parent has over someone in college, but for these little ones, um, I don't know. There has to be some kind of mass uh, agreement among parents how it's going to be limited or restricted or. Um, well, what about what Facebook about? But 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 Jolie, what about education? Right, like two things that I don't under like I don't understand why every child from kindergarten doesn't learn about. Uh, some sort of meditation, nutrition, as well as understanding of a behavior when it comes to social media, like at this point for this generation, like these should be three of the most important subjects in, in school from <laughs> kindergarten yep. on, because yep. that's, you know, yep. like I talk to my son and I say to him, okay, you're getting to an age where you're going out with your friends. A couple of your friends have phones, right? If one of your friends videotapes you doing something and makes it look and sound a different way with effects and puts it on social media and and you can't do anything about that that's already out and the first perception of what people see is already going to be what it's going to be so like you're essentially left at the mercy of completely somebody else's psychology and 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 like you said, when you look at the kids and you say, well, they're fetuses, right? They don't know. Like, we're just handing them this thing and going here, 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 figure it out. And we don't even know what to do with it, right? So, you know, I think you know, I, I think it's got to come at the school level. I think that's really... I 100% agree. I 100%. And, you know, mental health is finally part of the curriculum in New York State. Finally, after, I mean, this is necessary. It takes like a mental health crisis for this to happen. Right. That should be part of the curriculum. Right. This is the world we live in, right? right? Health class, so, you know, physical education is now part of the curriculum and health class became part. This this is the world we live in and the, the impact it's having on kids and emerging adults. Um, I 100% agree. I don't know. I don't know how something like that would be instituted in the schools. It has to come at the the state level because I believe state curriculum is at a state level. But a hundred percent, yes, um, there has to be some kind of change because also leaving it all on the parents. Um, we need to help. We need yeah, more help than yeah, just yeah, us. Yeah, that's what I'm right. Saying. That's right. You can't just put it on the parents. You know, the parents, like you said, the ones that strive for it are going to find people like you and 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 programs like mine, and they're going to get their minds in 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 the right spot and their bodies in the right place. And but that you know, realistically, there has to be a societal shift, and and that has to come from an institution. Yeah, you're not going to find that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I I I that's I, right. I I agree with you a hundred percent. You know. Um, in 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 closing out you know i i said to you that i was going to ask you a question because i really do want your uh take on on this and you know from a psychologist standpoint what is the differentiator for you between the mind and the brain 
Wait a minute to think. I don't know if I'm keeping my mind or my brain, but let me just. <laughs> I told you I was going to hit you with a question <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> That's going to get you to think. The mind, the mind is, the brain is um, a scientifically studied organ. <clears throat> that houses a piece of the mind that incorporates spirituality and <clears throat> neurology. Love that. That's, I don't know what I just said, but mm. that's what no, I know. But that's actually, that's a really good explanation. I'm visualizing it. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> well said. All right. Beautiful. Mm. That was good. Succinct into the, point. the mind is more. The mind is more. Yeah, you know, the the mind I always find to be, you know, the the igniter, right? Um, you know, everyone talks about the 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 ultimate uh, you know, debate between science and spirituality, right? And the the funny part is that <clears throat> science um is what allows us a language to be able to explain spirituality, right? And and if you know the the more tools we learn and we develop as human beings to be able to measure sound waves, brain waves, brain imaging, understanding these things, the better understanding we can get of the mechanism of the mind. Um, you know. You and I obviously can sit here and talk forever, and we definitely have to do a 2.0 version of this um, because there's so many more subjects that we want to get to. Uh, but you know, before before we close out, uh, Jolie, if people want to contact you, if they want to get in touch with you, and guys, we'll have all this in the notes for you. But can you just tell us um, exactly how people can get in touch with you, our listeners? Yeah. Um, so uh, I have two websites. One is just mine. It's my name joliesilva.com, the J-O-L-I-E-S-I-L-V-A.com. Um, and I will have links on there to my course, my book, and uh, the YouTube channel. And then my practice um, that my husband and I have together is called New York Behavioral Health. Um, so it's newyorkbehavioralhealth.com. We have offices in, um, well, Pre-COVID, we had offices. We have three in Long Island and one in Manhattan. Now we're a virtual, and we're just opening up. We opened up one in one in and um, Long Island, one in Manhattan. But we are virtual and reopening. So that's where it. we are right now. I, I I love those two words, virtual and reopening, because that that applies to us as well. I think there's going to be a big return of people wanting to you know um utilize the virtual world for its for its uh positives and come back and start mm -hmm. to interact and see people because we as human beings need that interaction that can never be lost um so dr jolie yeah. thank you so much for joining our show it really was truly a pleasure talking with you um and uh yeah look forward to doing this again next time Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you, Matt. Beautiful. Take care. Thanks, Jolie. See you, Jolie. Thank you. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, there you have it. As I told you in the beginning, Dr. Silva is really fascinating. Um, we're going to put quotes and links to the books that she referenced and everything in the show notes. And also keep an eye on her. Stay tuned to her. Follow her on social media because she's got some programs coming your way soon. And uh, she, I think what I think what we heard there is that what she has to offer the world really needs right now. So uh, again, thanks for joining the Helix and Gene Wellness Podcast. 
This was a fascinating interview with Dr. Jolie Silva. For more about Helix and Gene's scientific nutrition-based uh, programs, visit helixandgene.com. And to awaken the spiritual warrior within, go to zen57.com. I'm Coach Matt, and for Sam and Dr. Silva, thanks again, and take care. Bye-bye.